I'm Alex DeCampi, writer of No Mercy from Image Comics and Grindhouse from Dark Horse Comics, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box. Because if you're thinking inside the long box, you're very small or very skinny. Comics and uh, their kind of uh, what they do, and uh, just talk, uh, have a good time. So, how you guys doing tonight? Great, man. Looking yeah. forward to it. So, the main reason I wanted to bring you guys on um, specifically is because whatnot is. I mean, it's not like super new to me. I, well, it is pretty new. I guess it's only about a month. Um, I got COVID for the second time and didn't have anything to do. Oh no! Uh, so for like five straight days, I just spent like thousand dollars on comic books which is way too much <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there but uh I, I really started enjoying buying comic books that way and just like anything else you run into like sellers who are kind of meh and people like you know high quality we have i i know a local comic book shop here that sucks that i don't go to and i found some people on whatnot or i wouldn't say sucks by name names or anything it's just they're not my forte sure for whatever reason but um you guys have been very i feel like very honest very trustworthy and very entertaining to watch i like how you kind of both back each other up when you know one needs to take a break the other one will jump on and you do it on both <laughs> your shows so mm-hmm. it's never kind of just like dead dead air for like 10 minutes or whatever like i said right. some other stuff first so i just wanted to bring you guys on so hopefully uh you could talk to our listeners a little bit about what you do maybe they might be interested in pursuing the same thing or at least jumping on platform and uh, shopping with you guys so thanks so much for joining us awesome Thank no you. thanks for having us so how long have you guys been selling comics uh that's a very mixed question yeah two years for me <laughs> we we had very different journeys into uh comics yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, Ma- max is relatively new she can tell you her her origin story um i know she started hearing mine but i've i've been selling comics for a living for over 30 years oh damn yeah you, you really did not look that old, honestly. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I, I get that a lot. I <laughs> yeah. get that a lot. I put you at like 35 or 36 years old. <laughs> That's how old I thought he was when I first met him. I get that a lot, yeah. But no, I yeah, for me, if you want me to go first, I, I basically... Um, uh, I grew up loving comics um, as a kid. And... Um, when I was a kid, they were 75 cents and you could buy them at Seven Eleven and at newsstands back when those existed. And, um, but I, uh, I had a pretty poor upbringing and couldn't really afford comics. So I did little things on the side. You know, I had a paper route, mowed lawns, sold candy to friends at school that, you know, I bought on my way to school on my bike. And what was really a turning point for me, uh, was, the moment at which I discovered that some books were actually worth more or would sell for more than the 75 cents dollar that I was buying for. And um, I very quickly just kind of learned which books um, one, one book that was kind of the the turning point book for me was um, man of steel 18. It was the first appearance of doomsday. And there was all this hype going on in the news about how they were going to kill Superman and um, right away, right from the jump, that book, the day it came out on the newsstand, was already sitting around this book and selling to my friends for $5, $10, you know. Uh, and that was really the beginning of it. Once I went to my first uh, little Comic-Con, I, I had a table when I was 13 at a, 
at a comic con in, in like the ballroom of a, of a Marriott hotel somewhere locally. And, um, I was, I was hooked from that moment on. I just absolutely love it. I love accepting them. But man, I didn't, I didn't realize you were into comics for that long. It's kind of crazy to me. Oh yeah. My whole life. I've been in them. I don't remember the age I was in. I was, but, um, my friend gave me a copy of the spawn number one when it first came out. So I, I guess like, oh, okay. That's 1992. So that's when I jumped. That's when I got kind of headlong into comic books and, uh, it was quickly taken away from me by my mother when she found it <laughs> after she looked through it. <laughs> but then I had to beg and plead to jump in. And so I started getting some other more of a mom friendly comics. There you go. Oh, she just didn't like spawn. <laughs> no, she uh, started flipping through the book and saw that like, there was the a hell demon in hell and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like a pedophile <laughs> ice man. Yeah. Yeah. Ice cream man, and she's like, "What yeah. the fuck is this?" I was like, I don't know. <laughs> "He spawned, mom. It's <laughs> fine, mom. Mom does what he does." But uh, that's actually how I kind of got in love with uh, DC comics because those were always like PC. My mom like liked oh, them a yeah, lot better. Yeah, yeah they're very um, mom friendly. So that kind of got me going in that direction. I mean, I don't even think I knew Marvel existed for the longest time. I think I just thought Spider-Man was also, and so X-Men were also DC. I had like no idea. Because yeah. <laughs> I watched them on TV, but I didn't read any of their books for quite a while. Oh, yeah, because that's, yeah, that's right around when, when they put it on, yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was a good time to grow up in comics. The Yeah, right before the right before the bust because the, the comic bust happened around 1994, 95 is when there was the huge, huge crash. Yeah. But before that, the, the early nineties were just absolutely, you know, everybody thought that they could buy 20 issues of everything and put their kids through college and have a retirement with it. And, and so they were just grossly overprinted and, and then it just all came crumbling down. I kind of fear that a little bit of that has been happening over the last couple of years with variant covers. It's ha- um, happening majorly right now because there's, there's a yeah. huge reckoning going on in the, in the hobby with oversaturation of more and more ridiculous variants. Yeah. And now the, the whole fallout with the, with the acetate cover variant at the C2E2 is just sort of a uh, started everything snowballing toward people saying, you know, people getting to the point where they kind of feel like they're being taken advantage of. Yeah. So oh, I, d- I definitely think, I think it's been like that for a while. Like <laughs> it has been, yeah. but it's gotten worse recently. Final boss oh, yeah. was kind of like the cutoff for me. Like we're not the cutoff, but I was just like, I hadn't even heard of that comic. And people are like, these two comics I saw come on whatnot. Like the first couple of days they were out, the final boss came out and they're like, these two or three comics are like a thousand dollars. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What's like, it called? Comic- Final boss. I've never even heard yeah. of it. Yeah, it's. I still don't know what it is or haven't heard of it, but I know it's like an exclusive, you know, small print run like variant comic that they make like a bunch of foil covers of and different things. And Kirkham just did a another rehash of the same cover he does for art again. Yeah. And it's just, I'm like, I just can't. To me, well, I don't care. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to spend my money in that way. If I'm going to spend that mo- amount of money on comics. I'm investing in like my golden or early silver age runs that I'm trying to, you know, complete. So, exactly. but I, I feel bad for like a lot of these newer collectors. Cause I feel like they're jumping in on something that 
more than likely is going to vastly decrease in in uh, profitability. And then when that happens, are like, are they going to blame the you know the entire industry or the entire you know platform of comic books and then not be comic fans anymore? Which you know is, is bad for the industry. Well, I yeah, think. I mean, what's going to happen is that when they see the things that they spent X amount of money on, they can't even recoup half of what they invested in it. They're just going to yeah. stop buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it tips and like the influencers that are giving us everyone who sells on whatnot is now getting a bad rap because of this incident yeah because whatnot did something they shouldn't have done they didn't do the research that they should have they should have done and now people are like cancel whatnot i'm like this is how i make a living i'm not out there peddling shit and telling lies and like trying to up the like influence people to buy a certain book just so that i can make money you know, like, and well, just rob yeah. people lines. There's so like 90, 90%, 95% of the sellers on whatnot are honest, good people. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to make all of us suffer because there's a few out there that are doing stuff wrong and they're doing stuff shady. That that's not fair. No, definitely not. Why don't you guys go ahead and, um, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like uh thing that just happened on the whatnot market with the variants. Cause I know a lot of people probably won't know exactly what we're talking about or have any idea. Well, I mean, so basically, um, without getting into too much trouble, because we don't, you know, we don't want to throw anybody under the bus or naming names or anything, but basically, um, there, there is a retailer who had an exclusive variant. And when you buy a variant from Marvel, Marvel requires a minimum of 3000 copies. So you have to buy 3000 copies of something in order to get an exclusive cover. And this retailer was having trouble selling all 3000 copies of that book. Uh, And it's been out a a little under a year. And so they had the idea that they themselves, not through Marvel, just they themselves would print and produce their own acetate overwrap that they then wrapped and stapled on top of of 750 copies of the existing book that they weren't able to sell through. And they jumped the price. Yeah, they rebranded it as a new exclusive variant. Right. So they brought it to C2E2 with a with a price tag of eighty five dollars, uh, and before the which is astronomical and insane. And before the show opened, there was a queue of about forty to fifty people lined up waiting to buy a copy. Um, and before those people were able to do that, um, a handful of individuals um, who are, who are very, uh, in the public eye, particularly because they're sort of whatnot brand ambassadors. They're people that sell at the whatnot booth and are endorsed by whatnot, um, sort of just, uh, strolled up and bought as many copies as they They wanted and got up to 75 to 125, depending on who it was. Right. So they, price bought an insane number and people online saw that and went, Oh my God, these people are buying so many of these. They must be, a great investment. And so people were buying huge quantities of them that had been waiting in line. And by the time it got, there were not enough copies to sell to everyone in line. And they upped the price. Once it went too low, they upped it to a hundred dollars. Yeah. So then, then they jumped moves. the price to a hundred and then they started doing a thing where people had to purchase a hundred dollars worth of other products from them to get in a raffle for a chance to buy one for a hundred dollars. So it, it was just sort of a, and then uh, an exercise in greed. Yeah. yeah, and then the influencers went over to the whatnot booth and went live selling these books for up to three hundred dollars or so. 
yeah, moments after purchasing them. Like, yeah. Just Jeez. right. So like it's that. the optics are very bad to say the least. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately they, it got worse because the person who was offering the books uh, and several of the people who were associated with the purchasing of many, many, many copies uh, went live on Facebook and Instagram, whatnot, what have you, um, and doubled down on it and just basically defended their decisions to do what they did. And then after days of just complete fallout, some of them are starting to backpedal. But it's a very bad look all around for everyone involved. It was a bad look for Marvel until Marvel said, we did not have anything to do with this and do not approve yeah. of this. Um, it's a bad look for CGC, who graded these with universal blue label grades. Yeah. Not nine yeah. nines and ten point oh's. Right, which the person who How created did these books. I. That's a great mm, question. Yeah. The upper, the people in charge at CGC are very unhappy with the people that were at the con representing CGC, and yeah. they're they're having to take on a lot of flack right now for that because their whole job is to verify that this is in fact an, a legit exclusive and they didn't do that. When in reality it's a bootleg. And yeah. so what happened is they graded copies for the person who, for the company that made these uh, modified books, gave them nine eights, nine nines and, and uh, one ten, I believe. And they were for sale at their booth for 500 for a nine eight. Twelve fifty for the nine nine and two thousand for the ten o right out of the gate, and they sold. So some somebody dropped two grand on a fake book, essentially. And, uh, uh, yeah, Clayton and then Crane was given a ten o. Oh, so there you go. There so was the, at least two ten o's. I know yeah. that much. So it's a bad. You know, the optics are not good for everyone involved. It's not good, certainly for the people that that made them. Um, they're going to definitely get the most. Heat deservedly. They're planning to do this again with several other exclusives at the Boston Comic Con. Yeah, I suspect that oh, their yeah. days of doing this this kind of stuff are over. Um, and it's a bad look for. Uh, it's bad look, obviously, for the quote unquote influencers. It's a bad look for CGC, certainly, but it's really uh, a bad look for whatnot. Insofar as these people are ambassadors for that brand and selling this item on their platform. And it's a bad look for people like us who have absolutely nothing to do with this because people are just using blanket terms like whatnot sellers. Mm-hmm. And it includes all of the hundreds of honest thousands, yeah. thousands of there's more than just the comic book sellers. Yeah. And so it's, and it makes everyone look bad when only a handful of people were doing this and it made whatnot as a whole look greedy and like they were in on this right. scheme or scandal or however you want to call it. And then we automatically are going to get, some flack for that like they'll be like oh you're just a whatnot seller oh no you're just like like them and it's like no we're not like i myself i I keep a book any exclusive i buy i i make a list of what i paid for it and what the fair market value lowest price that i can find online for it is and i tell everyone okay this book is a eight it's a 35 dollar book and i put it up and i started that at my like a my price, my $10 price. So, and if it goes over the fair market value price, I throw in another book and tell them how much the fair market value is and what the total fair market for both those books are. And they decide. And if they want to keep going, they keep going. And I add another book, add another book until, you know, right, so I, I would I would not be able to sleep at night if I knew I sold a $30 book for 50 bucks. Yeah. You know? It's, it's the, 
the, the reason that we have the following that we have and, and a, an amazing community of really loyal uh, buyers uh, who come back each week is we don't want you to overpay. We don't want to trick you into thinking that something that's really worthless is worth a lot of money. We can make a living yeah. while selling stuff under fair market value. We can still make enough money to pay our bills. We're not looking to get rich. We're not looking for greed. We're looking to be a part of this community, bring people the books they love and want at a price that they can afford and entertain them while we're at it. That's what. That's why we choose whatnot over eBay. Anyone could go on eBay and just list stuff, but I don't get to interact with people. I don't get to do giveaways. I can't sell my art on eBay. You know, I can't build, build up a community. And that's why we're always choosing places like Whatnot or before we were on YouTube is because it's so much more fun. There's the yeah, community definitely. element to it and the just it's it, it really is a unique platform and it, it really uh, is something that has the potential to be fantastic. It's just really going through, I think, a, a problematic phase right now that I, I hope that they'll figure out how to properly handle address it. and correct. Yeah. They should have the the resources for handling PR and damage control, uh, whatnot should. I know these For individual sure. sellers and whatnot that went live immediately to defend themselves, didn't handle it the best way, but whatnot should be able to handle this properly, and I have faith that they will. I hope so. I, I, def I definitely think so, and I think the... I mean, it sucks for you guys, obviously, being it that's, that's the industry that you're in, that you got to deal with stuff that you had nothing to do with. Uh, and I can attest that they have nothing to do with it. I've bought comic books on both of their shows. I just bought comic books on Max's last show. I have purchased uh, stickers and art. Oh, books. nice. <laughs> yes, the dick but art. Yep, part of the brand. <laughs> that's been accidentally viral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I can attest to everything they're saying. They're great sellers, but there are also multitudes of other great sellers on whatnot. And for oh, sure, there's uh, great people out there. Even our friends, he's got, he just hit 10,000 followers, which is way beyond what either of us have. Oh yeah. More than both of us combined. Yeah. But he's a great person. We know him. We sold with him on YouTube before whatnot was even around. Yeah. And we can attest that he's a great person. I don't know if he's considered an influencer or anything like that, but he's, very always been very solid, very reasonable. He's a he's a brand ambassador for the platform, but he's a great guy. He has never yeah. done shady shit. Yeah, and I think, I mean, not, I mean, it might suck at the moment for the what for some whatnot sellers, but I, I think whatnot will come through it just fine. The the platform honestly is just I think like too robust, and it's such an interesting way to buy products that I think it'll end up being fine in the long run, but. Um, I was going to segue into something. Well, I mean, and I just to, to dovetail off what you just said, one thing that it, if, if it remains this way, one thing that makes um, one advantage, I think, that Whatnot has over competitors that are definitely inevitably entering the market. You know, eBay has announced an eBay Live beta. Yeah. Um, certainly other – I guarantee you Amazon's going to come up with something of their own if they don't try to buy Whatnot outright. Mm -hmm. But – one thing that is special about whatnot is it really is carte blanche, which eBay I know would not be cool with, which is you can have shows that are not safe for work. You can have shows where you just, <laughs> <That's my show. laughs> you know, you can have music on in the background. You can have shows on. You can, you can be, you know, uh, you can, you know, uh, adult language, you know, things like that. Explicit and content. I explicit always have that content warning is, is available. So <laughs> that if they keep that, um, it will feel like, uh, it will continue to have this feeling that's that's special compared to something that I don't think you're going to get from 
an eBay Live or, or something similar from some corporate entity that feels compelled to sort of sanitize their platform, if that makes sense. Have a lot more. I can definitely uh, attest to that as well. Um, 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 but yeah, what that's I probably enough about that scandal, I suppose. Oh, yeah, definitely. We didn't need to go into too much detail. I just didn't want the people yeah. listening to be like, in case I didn't know exactly what was going on there at all. But yeah, I will say it is speaking to what you just said, though, it is totally it forms little communities. I used to at work spend all my time because uh, I sit at a desk and whatnot. So listening to like podcasts or ebooks or stuff. But I, I, a chunk of my day sometimes now I'll just have whatnot sellers that I like. I'll just have their stream on. I don't even really have the time to pay attention. I'll maybe buy a book here and there, but it's just like, just for the back and forth banter, I can hear them talking and look down at the feed every once in a while and see what people are saying. And it's just interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. A friend of ours went live the other night and just talked for an hour and just had people come in and hang out. Uh, Max used to go live and and would just draw. She would just have the camera pointed at the art she was working on. And play the kalimba. Yeah. Play music. Uh, We have a friend who goes live and just, you know, we'll draw a custom piece and sell it when he's done and then start another piece. So it does, it does, it does have that sort of just hang out kind of feeling to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a lot of fun. I definitely suggest anyone who hasn't, uh, jumped on the platform yet, at least to check it out. Cause it, oh, for if sure. you like comic books, if you like collectibles really of any kind, I see people selling watches on there. I mean, like yeah. shoes, whatever. Uh, oh yeah. Food. There, yeah. There are people selling <laughs> yeah. snack foods from other countries. And uh, I mean, my number one tip would be try to resist getting caught up in the thrill of bidding. Yeah. I, that's one thing that people just get yes. out of hand when they see that bid button and they get out bid and they, before they know it, they've overspent the on something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just, you know, Exer- try to exercise some discretion. We remind people like, yeah. hey, this book is this. This is the cap value. Like, this is the value, fair yeah. market value. So, just so you know, like, you know, and I, I have, I have actually heard you guys say that before. When a book's starting to go a little higher, like I remember one book specific. I can't remember the specific book, but. It was getting a little on the higher end. You were like, remember, guys, this is a mid-grade copy. <laughs> I try to, yeah, I will, yeah. especially, yeah, with mine, I'll say, guys, did I mention, like, mid-grade? Like, He's uh, an you know. excellent grader. I'll, ha- I'll hand I my books that. to him when he when I need something graded because I'm not sure. But he always undergrades to just to, he's very, what's, what do you Conservative. call it? Conservative yeah. with his grading. So, no, so you're always going to be pleasantly surprised rather than unexpectedly disappointed like so many other people are when they get books from other platforms or people you know and we both yeah it's important to both of us that people walk away feeling uh, we want everyone to walk away feeling like they got value we want them to open their box and feel like yeah this was great i'm glad i got these books from these guys so if they accidentally pay more than we think they should have we're throwing free books in that box to Mm -hmm. to close the gap Yep. No, absolutely. I just bought from Max the other day, and I think you had a book up, and you're like, if it hits thirty bucks, I throw on this other book, and I just yep. bid thirty bucks right away because I wanted both of them anyway. So oh, it's see, like, yeah, it was it like just, fifty dollars in yeah. value. I think I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. So just but for thirty, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and those are, I mean, personally, like I said, I think the variant market's getting out of hand, but the variants you sell, I think, are they make a lot of sense. It's like if you like this art, it's a little bit more maybe than the normal cover, but it's not insane. Like yeah. If I buy those, like I bought a, a twig off you a while back too. It's like I just love the cover of this uh, this book. If it ends up staying at this amount of money, that'd be great. If it doesn't, Twig's an awesome comic, and I'm still gonna like this cover. I'm totally fine with the amount of money I paid for it. Yeah, that must be the <laughs> number one Rick Alves Virgin Variant exclusive, limited it. to 500 with COA. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I have all those stuff memorized. 
But All no, of my excuses <laughs> get drilled into my brain by but, the time I sell them. <laughs> you make the good point, though, that that you know everybody drums on all the time if you're buying what you like you can't lose if you like what you see and you're getting the stuff that you like and you're not thinking wow this isn't really a book i'm interested in but i have that fomo or i feel like this is going to be worth money in the future that's kind of a recipe for disaster just buy the stuff that you like Mm -hmm. um and if you're with trusted sellers who will tell you you know that this is what this is worth don't overpay uh, otherwise, you know, do your research and, and your due diligence and make sure that you're not, you know, getting caught up in the hype of overhyped books. Yeah, definitely. And everything swings around, too. I've been a Submariner collector for a long time. <laughs> and for the longest time, it was me in that line with nobody else. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly right. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, no one cared about uh, Submariner or Doom until about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Doom as well. I mean, I haven't been a big collector of Doom, but I've always liked him as a character. Sure. I picked up some of his earlier, like, Avengers and X-Men books. Um, Fantastic Four number five is a book I bought a long time ago. Um, that now is a little bit crazy. But, uh, yeah, definitely the both of those have gotten... Uh, uh, but, yeah, that Fantastic Five uh, turned into a giant book. It was already, it was kind of a big book when I bought it, but... Uh, but, yeah, that love for Doom kind of got out of hand, too, out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's all spec. You know, it's people yeah. that think they're going to see him in the next film. And we know for, I mean, half of that Black Panther 2 trailer was Submariner. I mean, it looks like the Submariner yeah. show. Mm-hmm. It was definitely, it was definitely a lot more than I thought. I kind of thought when they announced him that maybe he was just going to have a small part in the movie. But it looks like a full-on war between Atlantis and, the, and Wakanda. That's what uh, that's what it's been looking like Didn't for a while. Call it something different than Atlantis? oh yeah, they're call, they're not calling it Atlantis though. I think it's that a they're bad choice. They're they're changing Even, the name. They're changing the name. That seems weird to do, but <laughs> yeah, that seems dumb. Well, because... I'm just gonna call it now. Marvel, you're dumb. <laughs> the people in cinema, and Marvel, figure it out. Come on, United Front here. The fans gotta know. Aquaman came second. Name that's right. First. The Mariner predates Aquaman. Yep. If you don't know that, now you know. That's right. Uh, and Aquaman don't got wings on his ankles. Not as cool. That's exactly right. I don't know why Namor does either, but he does. <laughs> Makes uh, no sense. No, not at all. Uh, so is, is this what you guys do full time? Or do you have this plus other things? So This is so what you we are, do full time. So you are definitely successful enough on this plat- on this platform to make a full time living at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I do I do deals on the sides, and occasionally I'll join the whatnot pan, or the the YouTube panels of our friends, maybe like once or twice a month. But that's that's not very much. Most of my income yeah. is from whatnot. Yeah, there's some sales that happen in the DMs. Sometimes people will see something on whatnot and contact us and say, yeah. "Hey, we'll like, I missed out on this book." Or payday, right. and I'll be like, "Yeah, I can hold it for you till payday." Sure. Like that. Or if they want to do a payment plan, I'm like, "We can do that." technically not supposed to do that outside of whatnot, but usually they're friends with me. They bought from me before. I mean, before whatnot, that's how I did everything was you trust them. You just had to trust me. And I always had my little spreadsheet for everyone and the days they paid and how and all this stuff. So all my customers were always really happy with it because they got what they paid for, you know? So, yeah. No, that's, I think that's awesome. It's like a, I don't know. That's something you can't, you don't see, you can't really find that anywhere else. You know what I mean? Where you build these kind of relationships where you're willing to do things like that. Oh, hundred like percent. 
I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, <laughs> the town I grew up in. It was very small, but we had a uh, not that you guys are doing this. It just reminded me of this story. Uh, we had a grocery store called Thrifty Foods, and uh, oh sure, yeah. I used to go in there when I was like four or five. My mom would literally send me there by myself with a list. They would give me the stuff, and I would just leave. And my grandpa <laughs> would come in and pay for it, like at That's the, end awesome. the week or the end of the month. And nice. so it's kind of cool that you guys have that, you know, you can build that kind of customer base on the platform and that you can just have like a, a hobby that gets to pay for itself to a degree without having like a big store or, you know, a big, um, a lot of overhead in that way. I think it's a cool platform. So, oh yeah, no, absolutely. In this house. <laughs> there, there are a lot of books <laughs> in the house, everywhere. but yeah, it's no, the, the, the lack of overhead definitely makes us more able to give better deals mm -hmm. sure. for sure yeah how do you guys typically go about sourcing the books that you sell is it just based honestly on that's or? and that's the funniest part about it is a lot of people you know something that she and i joke about because they're you know you encounter the people who think well that's not a real job you know i can promise everyone out there we are working mm -hmm. 40 50 hours a week easily and i would say at least half of that time is spent sourcing collections sourcing books mm -hmm. um it the, it is deals. it is the hardest part of the job really is is and and they're everywhere i mean we buy on whatnot we buy on youtube we buy on ebay we buy at local cons local shops anywhere where we can find good books for the right price yeah and i i mean i personally and i probably do this a lot more than remy does he has he already knows so much about the books whereas i'm more into modern books so i spend a lot of time doing a lot of research yeah. on them to find out the print run and like who's all involved in the creation of it and if it's key and I write that all on the back of the book the back of the board backing board and sure, I also sure. take notes in my notebook so I have it all written down I do research on price price values you know values of the books and all of that and I have to do that every week even if it's the same book because if that price has changed I'm gonna look like a dumbass if I'm trying to sell <laughs> so what I thought was a $60 book, I'm trying to sell for 30. If it dropped down to $25, I'm going to look like a dumbass if I'm trying to sell it for 30 still, you know, like, cause the market does change, especially with modern books, especially, especially oh, with modern books, that price can change like that. It 100% you know? does. I've been organizing my books as you see from the ones behind me. Um, <clears throat> and I've been putting together a couple of long boxes of like what I consider dollar or less books. Uh, right. Try to move with that to like a local store or something. And uh, recently I just saw that like the first Beavis and Butthead comic starting to sell for like a decent amount of money now. And I know I have oh, yeah. four cop I have like four copies of that, like chilling yeah, in like a, a little copy of that too. That I paid five bucks for Yeah, well see that's the thing. I would uh, I, now is not the time to liquidate your dollar books. If you've got a bunch of books that are worth a dollar, forget that you own them. <laughs> because you'll blink. I can't tell you in the last two years since the second comic boom started right at the beginning of the pandemic, how many books that were dollar bin books for the last 20 years are now 40, 50, $60 books. And it can happen yeah. almost overnight. Yep. That's a good advice. I might just have to put these in the basement and forget about them. And <laughs> put that, no, that's what they absolutely that's do what that. That's what half yeah. the stuff in your garage is, Remy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. When I, see a, when I see a book hit, I'll go to the garage and dig through like pallets of long copies. boxes and find, find a chunk of copies that I forgot that I own. So, yeah. I think actually I saw you selling 
a uh, set of books that the same thing did that it was that set of uh, daredevil books the mm-hmm. kingpin story um i didn't know those were worth any money either i'm not joking that just happened and that only happened because they recently announced that the new season of daredevil it's about an 18 episode season i think um is going to be called daredevil born again and so what happened yeah. is there was a seven issue run of daredevil from the 80s and uh, just like you said those were dollar bin books yeah and all of a sudden that set sells for 150 dollars yeah, I have the last one in a CGC 9.6 that I picked up extra on the side for a trade for $30 a month ago. Oh, amazing. And yeah, the cover on that last one is great. It is. The Armageddon one, I believe, is the yep. last couple. But, uh, yeah, but then I, I saw you say that, and I was like, these are not worth $100. And I looked at it, and I was like, he's, no, he's not wrong. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It just happened. But, like, yeah. boom. With yeah, all the stuff very... Marvel's releasing. Yeah. Very bizarre. It's, a, it's like typically my collecting habits are in the like early silver to gold. Like I'm trying Same. to finish my trying to finish my run of the shadow. I'm trying to finish my run of uh, Superman's uh, girlfriend, Mary Jane, or not Mary Jane. I don't know why I said that. Lois Lane. Lois Lane. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Slip up. Um, but so those kind of one hell of a crossover. They've done weirder, trust me. Yeah, um, if you read the old Lois Lane books, they are all weird, so it would not surprise me. But uh, oh yeah, no, ones. absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, they're all that. That was kind of like one of their takes on romance books. You know what I mean? They were trying yeah. to. Th- those were intended for the for the female market at the time, and so they were all kind of campy and silly. And but yeah, it's but they're just, fun. Yeah, it's just weird. It's like Superman killing Lois Lane in space on the cover of one of them, and Lois Lane wanting to turn black for a day. Like, that's oh, that one's one of my so favorites. Weird. That yeah. one's that that book is a legendary. Absolutely. I mean, and 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 the cover of it. I don't know if you if you've had that book. It says like it just says I'm curious, and then yeah. some ellipses, and it says black. <laughs> and it's like oh my god. Oh. Yeah, yeah I got it around well. around here somewhere. No, definitely nice. not. So is your FF5 slabbed or raw? It's raw. Yeah. I'm not a fan of slabs. I'm not overly a fan of slabs either. Um, I kind of agree with him maybe if the book is like so degraded that it's just saving the book a little right. bit. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, yeah, it's it's not my biggest thing. Like I just actually picked up uh, a grail of mine since you collect Golden Age as well, but uh, that's Speed Comics. Number oh, 38. awesome book. Yeah. The awesome first book. homage to Hiroshima, but yeah, yeah classic if, I can find them, if I can find them not in raw, that's that's the direction I'm going. Do you find those or in the wild, in like at your LCSs, or do you get it? Did you find that online? This one I actually found locally at a comic book shop I, I don't normally go to. I was just driving, and I had some extra time, so I hit on my uh, my Google Maps comic book shops close to me, and I just, they just happened to have it hanging up, and I was like, I've been looking for that book for quite a while. And uh, I wasn't that is it. not very usual. I mean, yeah. you do not no, see no. books like that in the wild. Definitely not. And I wasn't really looking to spend like 400 bucks on a book that day. But I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm buying this. Today. Well, that's the thing with Golden Age books is you don't know the next time you're going to have an opportunity to see that book. Exactly. That's yeah. not a book where you're like, oh, if I change my mind in a month, I can just hop on eBay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, even this, uh, just because I have some local ones here this issue of dandy number one i can't i haven't seen another one on ebay i haven't seen one recently anywhere 
that book is it's like one of those outliers because it's an EC book, but it's like a, a funny book. You know what I mean? It's not because EC yeah, is so yeah. known for their horror that that's not a book that you see very often. No, and it's not even, I mean, it's not even really that expensive to get it in a higher grade. That definitely would be, but I've never even seen one in a high grade. Like I know they must no. exist, but that's not a book that people <laughs> kept in nice shape. That's the thing yeah. is that that's why almost all EC books. I mean, that's why, you know, pre-code horror books are just astronomical and high grade because yeah. they just, every single one of those books got read to death and just the covers are falling off and and yeah so to get to get those even in a mid-grade is really tough it definitely is but yeah i mean for that answer the question like a little bit more fully i try my hardest to find stuff when it's that old in person i mean yeah. like if i see somebody selling it or whatnot like yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot at it because like you, like you said, you don't run around gold dates that often, but no. they're books I'd like to physically hold or, you know, see it myself, but you just don't run into them very often at all. It makes sense, which is why a lot of people uh, don't trust unslabbed vintage books. Yeah. Um, and I definitely understand, so too. I kind of get that. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, you know, with certain books, like especially with big blue chip keys, like it, you kind of have to slab them unfortunately in a lot of cases to to preserve the book like you said and just you know when you get into books that start to be like five figure plus books then yeah people are going to want those slabs so yeah it's kind of a sad reality but it, it's it's all a matter of you know there are so many books out there where the disparity between the raw price and the slab price are so high you could almost own two copies of the book raw for the price it's going for slabbed and so that's yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy to me that that when that came out too. And I, I remember I, I did have a comic book shop shop owner about go crazy on me. I think it was about five. I was more than that. It was like seven years ago. I bought a, a copy of the Iron Man Submariner, uh, number one before the they one branched out, before they branched out to their own books. Right. And he had it, he had it slabbed at an 8.0, uh, from CBC. Or, so, or CGC, not CGC. Yeah. The other one that I can never remember the CBC. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I always get it confused, but um, I started cracking it at his store because <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> he's like, "What are you?" This is before I I didn't have any graded books. I know anything about graded books. He's right. like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, uh, "I want to read the book." <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna read NATO? Wow! Yeah. I still have it. Uh, nice. Maybe it's maybe it's a seven five now. <laughs> Probably. I've cracked a couple slabs. But yeah, that was actually pretty early on into my like um, collecting more expensive books. Um, like I think I started my early age Final Fantasy run right after that. Uh, but so I didn't know that much about expensive comics or high grade comics. Right. But uh, I, I mean, that's, that's an expensive read if you're going to get NATO and crack it to read it. That's a yeah. It wasn't that bad back then. It's a lot more now. For sure. Yeah. It was, I think it was $180 when I bought Oh, it. wow. Okay. So this is a while ago. Yeah, yeah. It was like seven years ago. It was, it was uh, quite a while. Seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. like, But he was still like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you guys encased this book in this fancy plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it. It's mine now. I can That's light right. it on fire if I want. <laughs> he was like, he should have just told me. I would have I videoed it or something. <laughs> Uh, if you wanted to max, like, so you, I know we were going to talk about it earlier, but we were cutting out. 
Um, you've only been in comics selling for two years now, you said? Yeah, I've only been for two years. I had a friend. I, I used to live in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, born in Nebraska. Lived there my whole life up until recently. And uh, he was a huge comic book collector, and I didn't think much of it. And then one day he invited me to a local con, like uh, just similar to how Remy's local cons were. Like it was a, a conference room that was rented out in a hotel uh, not far away. It was in town. And so we went there and met up and I, I do struggle with autism and like, uh, like sensory overload and it was really crowded and busy in an unfamiliar space. And, um, so I, w I was feeling very overwhelmed and trying to stay by him, but he kept going over looking through books and I was looking through some books and I found this one. It was a ghostwriter number one blank black cover and I just found it really calming because it was all black and all plain and so I bought that for five dollars and I turn around and he's like oh what'd you get I'm like a book and he's like <laughs> oh cool and I was like yeah I'm gonna go sit outside on the bench for a little while so I was sitting out there and uh he came out and he said here you go and he handed me a book he bought me a ghostwriter book so I say it's his fault that I got into comics because once I if you have one you're not a collector but the moment you have two um, <laughs> and before you knew it, my entire kitchen table was filled with short boxes and a couple long boxes in my one bedroom apartment. And, uh, I, I just got really into collecting and I started learning more about it. You know, like every newcomer, I was going through dollar bins and I had a lot of cheap little books. I didn't get any big books. I didn't know any better, but I started to learn. And once I started to learn and realize what I did like and what I wanted to collect and, uh, I was able to, I was like, man, I have all this shit I bought when I was a noob that I really needed to get rid of. So I have room for the stuff that I actually want. And I started selling live on YouTube comic auction panels. And, yeah. uh, that's actually where I met Remy mm -hmm. in about, I think it was, uh, January of 2021, 2020, uh, 2021. 2021. Yep. Yeah. Like December of 2020, and we started talking and hanging out and uh, on the backstage and stuff and having fun, like with our friends. And uh, then we started having Instagram chat calls, phone calls. And um, before you knew it, we were dating and it was long distance. Then he came out to visit me one time. Then I went out to visit him one time. And he, we said, you know what? This is dumb. I quit my day job. I was working as a chef full time. And uh, I was like, man. I made so much sales in comics that I was continuously questioning, like, why the fuck am I here? Every time I came into work, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, why am I here? <laughs> so, and he gave me the courage. He said, you could do this full time. You have what it takes. You know, you've got the knowledge and you've got the attitude for it. So I said, fuck it, let's do it. And, uh, we packed my car. It was filled to the brim with, uh, short boxes of comics and, and two, two cats, cats. Yeah. <laughs> and made the trip from Nebraska to California. And now here I am. So, and, and let me tell you, driving through Colorado was the rough, roughest part of that trip. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I had to like, <laughs> grab my hands from we, the front. Going I, through I the back. Rockies. I'm telling you, these long boxes were like <laughs> holding all the comics from falling onto the cats, which were just chilling in the backseat. Cause we drugged them up. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was, yeah, Colorado was definitely the worst part of that trip. <laughs> it was beautiful, though. It's gorgeous, Absolutely but just the hills beautiful. were just, I thought that we were going to be pancaked under a mountain of, of short boxes. And cats. <laughs> Dude, 
I've I've lived here since I was like five, and I still feel that way driving through the Rockies. So that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not abnormal. Uh, props to Remy. He drove the whole time, um, it's, all it's the whole journey. He drove. I couldn't believe he did that. I was very not proud only, of him. Not only does it look sketchy, but for some reason, there's like dudes in their trucks going like seventy-five miles an hour. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. The semi trucks so, were the scariest. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And so, I know those guys who drive those semi trucks because that's more in my field of what I do every day. Oh, okay. Uh, those guys shouldn't be allowed out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what happened. And I've been living here just a little over a year now, doing it full time. Uh, that's really cool. It's really cool. That, I mean, you guys have a that you found like a hobby that you really enjoy that you can do full time as a job as well. Oh we, yeah, no, we found absolutely. each other because of comics. So yeah, comics. Cool. Yeah, definitely comics changed my life. <laughs> and and honestly, just to go back to the what we were talking about before about community. I mean, there are all kinds of collectible communities out there. Some are a little more toxic than others, but I can tell you that the, the comic community really is like a family. Yeah, we've made some of the best friends we've ever had in this community. People, and, if someone's you know, like, "Hey, I'm experiencing trouble." I have all these doctor bills. People will pounce to like do a raffle or mm-hmm. host an charity entire charity auction. Yeah. We've raised so much money for so many different people. I've done some charity auctions for like Wounded Warriors projects. Ha ha, you wish on whatnot. Follow him. He does a charity auction every month all on the whatnot. Time. Yeah. And you can yeah. send books to him to sell that all goes to the charity. And I think lately whatnot has been matching those donations. I'm oh, sure. nice. Don't I don't know about that. that yeah. I think they heard when of what he was doing and decided to match him. I'm not sure. I think that's what happened. That's great. So that's yeah, really cool. comic book community is so great. There's, I think, Pokemon and the um, Pops Funko Pops, Funko Pops communities yeah. are pretty toxic. It seems <laughs> from my oh. experience, they can be very harsh. Send all your hate mail to Max. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I like Pokemon. I have tons of Pokemon cards I want to sell, but I was like, I actually sold, did a few Pokemon shows on whatnot, and then like I was like very intimidated by it, and I was like, okay, um. I'm going to stick to comics for now. <laughs> no, and I, I think you, I mean, you point out uh, I, what I think is, is very true, honestly, because uh, a, the comic book community in Colorado is amazing too. So just on whatnot, it doesn't surprise me that it's still good there. Um, I also played competitive magic the gathering for many years. Uh, oh, nice. Nice. The, I have to admit the community there is definitely not as friendly. So it, it, it is a little bit true. <laughs> More competitive. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. Oh yeah, and just the, like the the amount of people too that like what I love about comics is I collect some serious books and then that, but like I just showed you a copy of Dandy Number One too and like Superman's Girlfriend. It's like I collect some what people would call stupid books, but no one's okay. gonna give me no one will ever. I've never had anyone give me shit about like that when I go to <laughs> buy them right. or collect them. You know what I mean? But in Magic the Gathering, if you're not playing like the top end competitive day everybody's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> why, why are you an idiot <laughs> like come on can i just have fun I just, I just like my stuff why do you hate That's my right. stuff i just like, like what i stuff. like leave me alone i'm not hurting anyone <laughs> i mean there's some dumb books that i love that aren't worth more than a dollar or two but i love them you know oh yeah so, really, it's, it's what you like comics, it's not about that but for sure. Well, guys, it was it was really fun talking to you. I had a great time. No, this is a blast. Thank you so much for having us. It really was a pleasure. And um, yeah, anything that we can do to uh, to contribute to you guys' platform, just reach out. Let us know. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. And guys, if you have not bought on whatnot, or if you do buy on whatnot, um, you guys want to plug your both your show names real quick so they can look you up. Sure. 
Mine is Max Comics, M A X C O M I X. So comics spelled with an X. And I am Robot Monster Island, all one word. <laughs> Don't ask where that name came from. Uh, it's just a weird name that made me smile when I came up with it years ago. And, and that's how I renamed him Remy. That's why people call me Remy. When I, when I first started when selling first on started. YouTube, I, I couldn't fit my entire PayPal name and my business name on the screen. So I just shortened it to RMI Comics. And I she gave me the nickname Remy. Remy immediately. And now I've come up, strangers come up to me and call me Remy. So word of warning if... No, it's a it, it, word of warning. If Max gives you a nickname, it's going to stick. So, <laughs> Hey, I, spe- I speak to the weird names. I used to do wedding photography, and oh, my nice. company's name was Mexi a Merry Man. A Mexi a Merry Man. And uh, I got no end of shit for that, but it, it worked out well. Nice. nice. Yeah, guys, thanks for listening to I Think Outside the Long Box. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube for behind-the-scenes information and more content! Thinking Outside the Long Box is a Baron Space production! Ah!